You are about to listen to a sermon from Common Ground Church in Rapid City, South Dakota. We hope to see you in person. For more information, visit commongroundcma.org. <clears throat> well, uh, I think one of the, the benefits of seeing videos like that and pictures like that is that you begin to realize that we have so much and yet we complain so much, don't we? If things aren't exactly right, then we get upset. And, and one of the benefits of going overseas like that is that it gets you out of your comfort zone. And uh, you begin to depend on, everything strips away, and you really depend upon the Lord. And, uh, and then we, we get to hear and, hear and see the benefits of that and how God is working. So that's exciting. Thanks. Uh, I'm Mark, and I am a dispensationalist. Uh, Doug started out his with, uh, I'm Doug, and I'm a, a, uh, what was he? A Methodist. Uh, So I thought, well, and if you don't know what a dispensationalist is, that's fine, because they'll have nothing to do with what we're talking about today, so uh, if you'd like to know, you can come talk to me later. One of the things that I'd like to call your attention to just quickly, and, and not about the sermon, but uh, Carol and I work with an organization called Cadence International. And Cadence works with military people around the world. Uh, and we are currently here because we work with the military over on Ellsworth. We work with singles, and uh, we work with those who live in the dorms. What I'm mentioning it for is that we could use maybe some some volunteers who would be willing to, am I causing that, uh, who would be willing to come and to work with us. Uh, perhaps what, what I'm thinking of is that say you like uh, skiing or you like uh, snowshoeing or you like hiking or you like rock climbing or you like any of those things. We could really use some young people, younger than I am, uh, to come alongside us and to maybe take the guys and the gals out on trips, give you an opportunity to, to minister and to share your testimony with those that you're hiking with, walking with. So if you were interested in doing something like that, especially if you are one of the students here, uh, please come talk to me afterward. And we would love to, to talk to you a little bit more about that idea. So today we are going to go back into Second Timothy. Uh, and uh, I know the, the time, so we will, we will move rapidly. Uh, but we're going to be looking at Second Timothy chapter 3 verses 10 through 17. Um, one of the things that I have been doing recently is look at and study and read and uh, listen to actually a book about Theodore Roosevelt, a biography about Theodore Roosevelt. It's called The Rise of Theodore Roosevelt. And it's, there's many things that I've learned about him. Uh, he was a very sickly child as he was growing up. Uh, he had asthma that was very severe and almost took his life. He was, uh, as he grew up though, he also had uh, the benefits of a lot of wealth. And uh, and so he could have been kind of 
the person who just stayed inside and, and never really got involved and was able to do everything from inside his room. But instead, his father kept pushing him out to do things and to be involved and to not do that which was easy, but to actually do the hard things in life. So as he grew up and as he uh, developed into uh, young manhood, uh, he intentionally would go out and climb a mountain or he would go out and and do uh, the hard things in life. And uh, he definitely did it without self-pity. He pushed himself. He pushed himself because he wanted to be able to endure. He was well known for his uh, battles in war, the Teddy Rough Riders and, and all that. Uh, but he also was known for many other things. He was a, a tremendous intellect, and he had a, a, a great memory. In fact, it was probably photographic. He would read books, and then somebody would years later talk to him about, hey, I'm just reading this book, and it's such a great book. And he'd be able to just suddenly start quoting long passages of the book, even though he hadn't read them in probably five, six, seven years. Uh, tremendous intellect as well because he he was an author. Uh, all of a sudden he became interested in naval uh, battles and he wrote one of the foremost uh, uh, texts on naval battles. Uh, he was uh, interested in U.S. history and he wrote on that. He was a tremendous man. He also decided one day that he wanted to come out to the Dakotas at that time Dakota Territory and he loved riding through the Badlands and he eventually purchased a, a ranch and he came out and he, in his term he said he looked like a dandy uh, which probably isn't a great term right now but he was pretty proud of himself he was, able, he had, he was all decked out he had the horse, he had the, all of that and uh, the area the people who uh, greeted him didn't care for him much uh, but after a few barroom brawls and a, a few uh, chasing of thieves, uh, he was he became well respected in the area. He was a uh, he became a rancher, um, and part of that time was he was a rancher during the time when he was in great grief and uh, great turmoil. You see, Teddy Roosevelt, oh, by the way, uh, nobody was allowed to call him Teddy, although we have accepted that term. Uh, He was Theodore Roosevelt or Mr. Roosevelt. Uh, But Mr. Roosevelt, even at the age of of 20 when he married, uh, was very passionate and very romantic. And uh, he was, though, a man of very deep character. Everybody else, or not everybody else, but most of the people that he were his friends in school, um, you know, were doing what a lot of young people do, and and they weren't keeping themselves morally pure. Uh, Theodore Roosevelt was determined that he was going to be uh, morally pure, and so he determined that he would not touch a woman inappropriately, and uh, he kept to that promise. And so when he was married at age 20, his wife was only 16, uh, he just was so thankful that he had kept himself pure for marriage. His wife died, though, at age 25 when she was uh, 
because of complications of childbirth. And because of his romanticism, because of his deep passions, he went into a long period of, of depression. And his wife did give birth to their first child, a, a girl, and he left the family, came out here to the Dakotas, and began ranching. Uh, a lot of it, he just wanted to be able to ride through the Badlands and uh, be by himself. He was a man of great emotional uh, and deep passions. Eventually, he did go back and got re-engaged with his family. He uh, ended up marrying a second woman named Edith, and uh, she was his uh, a friend of his from childhood. Um, and they lived together uh, for their entire life. He was a man of great depth and character. He was a man who was complicated. I don't know if he was uh, born again. I don't know what his relationship with the Lord was like. He was told, we were told that he was a man who tended to draw people into his orbit. Uh, so much so that he would come into a room and everybody immediately knew that he was there. Well, he would come into the room. Well, his niece, I think it was his niece, one time said he was the bride at every wedding and the corpse at every funeral. <laughs> he loved, it wasn't that he loved attention. He just tended to draw people into his life. Uh, he became uh, politically involved really quite young and he developed from there. His life was never easy. It was always filled with pain. He had different difficulties that were going on. But I think the reason I would have been drawn to him was his sense of endurance. No matter what he went through, the criticisms that he had, the positive reinforcement that he had, the wealth that he had, the pain that he had, all caused him to become a man of great, deep endurance. And I think because of that, I wanted to start out, and I think it's important for us to understand what endurance is all about. As we go back into Second Timothy, we're going to look at chapter 3, uh, 10 through 17. But we're going to be able to look at, well, what is endurance? What's it like? What, is it, what does it mean to endure? Uh, we are being called to boldly endure. Well, what does endurance really mean? Teddy Roosevelt was a man who was ruggedly masculine and a man of deep character and deep passion. Uh, he was known for his uh, his masculine or his rugged Christianity. And uh, someone once said, "Well, I don't know about the Christian part, but yeah, he was a rugged for sure." So I don't know where he was. Uh, I sure would like to meet him someday. So I hope he did have a relationship with the Lord. But um, we want to look at what does it mean to endure? Because he was a man who endured. Paul was a man who endured. And so we're going to be looking at Paul's life. And uh, we're going to be looking at Timothy's life. Just a glance, because that's about all we have here in Second Timothy chapter 3. But I think it's important. One of the things that stands out to us as we begin to read is that that the section that we are dealing with starts with the buts, and that means that you have to look back at uh, the previous section to find out, well, what is going on here? What's he talking about? 
how this is all fit together. So I'm going to first just read the section that we're dealing with, and then we're going to have to jump back a little bit into the first half of the uh, chapter 3. But you have... But you have followed my teaching, conduct, uh, purpose, faith, patience, love, and endurance, along with the the persecutions and sufferings that came to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and yet the Lord rescued me from them all. In fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Evil people and imposters will become worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you, and you know that from the infancy you have known the sacred scriptures and are able to give you wisdom, salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, for the man of God may so the man of God may be e- completely equipped for every good work. One of the things that uh, is known about endurance is that endurance has really the idea and in fact the word itself talks about standing up under uh, it's kind of like these pillars. They're standing up under the weight of the building and they hold it up and they don't move. They're just kind of permanently there. But as we look at this section today, one of the things that struck me is that there is a sense of progression in endurance. There's a sense of progression in endurance. Endurance is progressive. In order to see that, I wanted to look at uh, the verse 9, picking up from verse 9, where he says, but they, he's talking about those who fight against the gospel, but they will not make further progress, for their foolishness will be clear to all. That was the foolishness of Janus and Jambres. Then he says, but, and this is where the comparison comes in, he says, uh, but you have followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, and endurance, along with persecution, sufferings that came to me in Antioch, and so forth. One of the things that struck me is that they are, those who are fighting against the gospel, they are stuck in what they believe. They, they kind of get to the point where they, yeah, they're learning, they're learning, they're trying to learn more and more, but they never really become... They never really come to knowledge of the truth. They're stuck in their lack of understanding. We, on the other hand, talking about Paul and Timothy, and then us secondarily, continue in what we have learned and in our belief. He says that you have followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience. The term followed has the idea of studied. You've you've paid attention to, you've watched what's going on, you have seen uh, what has happened. There have been times where belief, though, has actually stood in the way of of progress. Uh, Many of you, uh, some of you, might remember uh, things that have been said in the past, many years before I was born, many, many years before I was born, it used to be people believed that the world was flat. 
and that kept people from exploring east and west. They believed that the world was flat. Now, it wasn't flat, but they believed wrongly. They believed falsehood. In my own life, I have gone through times where people believe that milk, egg yolks, red meat, white flour, salt, and artificial sweeteners were all not only unhealthy for you, but dangerous. And so that caused all kinds of problems, uh, especially in the area of, of red meat. People uh, continue to, to believe falsehoods, really, about it, and that, that changed the way people approached these things. We built bomb shelters in our backyards in the 50s and 60s. In the 70s, we were preparing for the coming ice age. I don't know if you remember that. But uh, in the uh, 90s, we were preparing for the Y2K disaster that was about to happen. And at the end of, uh, and the world was going to come to an end in 2012. All of these things, nothing happened. But it was something that we, that people believed in. And uh, falsehood can cause you to stop doing what God has called you to do. So endurance is not an idea of, oh, let's uh, just stop and, and, be, uh, you know, and, and be in our cloister. Endurance is, is something else. It's something better than that. There is a sense of progression. Endurance is also uh, being others-oriented. One of the things that pain tends to do, I've gone through recently a lot of back pain, leg pain, and when it was really severe, I become very cloistered, and I, I'm not really thinking about, I didn't think about you guys, not much anyway, uh, you know, because it was so severe, and so you tend to, when you're in pain, you tend to recoil, you tend to close off, you tend to, to be by yourself. But endurance doesn't do that. Endurance instead is or others oriented. If you look at uh, chapter 3, verses 1 to 5 very quickly, but you know this, uh, hard times are about to come. Uh, you're, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, uh, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable and slanderers without self-control, brutal without love for what is good, traitors, uh, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. All of those things are self-oriented, self-focused. I want what I want. I'm going to take what I want. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to leave you out. I'm going to cut you out. Very self-centered. As opposed to Paul and what he's telling us we should be doing in, uh, in 10 and 11. But you have followed my teaching and conduct and purpose and faith and patience and love and endurance. And he is oriented to those who are around him. All that he's going through, including his pain and his suffering, is for the good of other people. Uh, it would be easy for him to have stayed in Israel and done teaching in the synagogue and never really reach out, but instead he went out to the Gentiles and he was sharing the gospel with them. Moving ahead quickly, we want to look at also that endurance is not ever easy. 
endurance is not easy, and that's probably what we would normally think of in terms of endurance. In fact, all who want to be godly, uh, godly, want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Sometimes I find myself really surprised when persecution comes, when hardships come, uh, especially when they come to me. Uh, you know, I can understand it if you're in a Muslim country, well, you know, you're a Christian, it's, it's, it's expected. But when all of a sudden people stand up against me because of my faith, I get really hurt. I mean, I get, you know, it's kind of like, it makes me mad. This is unfair. This is unjust. Why are you doing this to me? And uh, become very self-centered in that process. And Paul is saying that, look, uh, endurance is not going to be easy. And in fact, we should expect it, shouldn't we? I mean, Jesus himself said, if they've hated me, they're going to hate you. But we tend to think, well, that's just not fair. And uh, we become very self-focused. Moving ahead, I wanted to also talk about the fact that um, Paul tells us that he is, that we should expect to be persecuted. Persecution hurts. Persecution is embarrassing, isn't it? Uh, persecution is unfair. It is unjust. And in some senses, it's it's stifling. It's like extreme heat and humidity. Uh, it's hard to breathe. Uh, it becomes shocking uh, to our system. Paul talks a lot about suffering and persecution in his letter to Timothy. And you have to wonder why. What's going on in Timothy's life? Because he's writing the letter to Timothy. And he has many comments about suffering. Second uh, Timothy one eight. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in the suffering of the gospel by the power of God. Second Timothy one twelve. Which is why I suffer as I do, but I am not ashamed, for I know that I have believed, and I am convinced that He is able to guard. Until that day, what has been entrusted to me. Second Timothy 2.3, share in the suffering as a good soldier in Christ Jesus. Second Timothy 2.9, for which I am su- suffering bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Second Timothy chapter three verse eleven. My persecutions, my sufferings, my uh, that happened to me in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord has rescued me. One of those places, he was actually stoned almost to death. They thought he had died, and uh, they left him, and he recovered. 2 Timothy 4.5 As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of the evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Suffering is part of our life as Christians. Uh, Suffering is something that we will go through. It is as much a part of it as the gospel itself. But why, why did he talk so much in this short book about suffering? I think it was because Timothy had the had within himself what we probably all have when we're faced with suffering. I don't want to suffer. I don't want to be put in chains. I don't want to be carried off. 
Uh, I don't want to be beaten up. I don't want to have my head cut off, whatever. But yet over and over again with the gospel and in scriptures, it talks about suffering. And Timothy probably was beginning to, to pull back a little bit. And Paul's saying, hey, don't, don't do that. Don't do that because it's... Why? Well, one of the things is that it's, it's so important to get the gospel out that what happens to you isn't as important as what happens in the lives of other people. And so he's telling them you need to endure. Endurance also has, though, a firm foundation in the scriptures. In 2 Timothy 3, 14 and following, he says this, But as for you, continue in what you have learned, firmly believed. You know those who taught you, and you know that from infancy you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. For all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. One of the ways that Paul is talking to Timothy about if you want to be a man who is able to do the gospel and to do the ministry and to share the gospel with people who are around you, you need to endure. And one of the ways that you endure is to be into the book of the scriptures, get to know the word of God because it lays the foundation for your endurance so that you can become complete, mature in your walk with Christ so that you can do what? So that you will be equipped for every good work. See, endurance, suffering will tend to naturally cause us to become closed in. Endurance enables us to stay strong in doing the work of ministry no matter what's going on around us. My son last week completed a course in the military called SEER. Uh, SEER is, there's actually several different courses, but one of the courses teaches you how to survive if you're a POW. Another one teaches you how to survive if you're taken captive by terrorists. Uh, and that was the one that he was in. Now, SEER came about because in, in uh, the Korean War, we had people who were not trained in how to survive in a POW situation. And uh, we found that that caused all kinds of problems and issues. Um, but they went, and as my son went through the course, they trained him. They first of all locked them up for 36 hours apart from each other and did all kinds of things to him but he uh, you know he made it through but then they used that to teach them everything that they needed to know in order how to survive and to uh, if possible break free I think that's what the scriptures do for us is they help us understand what's going on And when we feel things are just being unjust and unfair and not right and stifling because of the pain that we're going through or the difficulties we're going through, and all we were trying to do was to share the love of God with people, the scriptures correct us and train us and help us understand what is the life of righteousness we are about. 
we've moved very quickly and rapidly through this section. I, I did want to emphasize what endurance is. But my main goal was to come back to two simple, practical steps in learning how to be in, enduring. To, you know, basically what have I learned in my life about endurance? The first is this, of the two steps. The first is take time to learn from people who have gone before. One of the best ways is just find biographies of Christians who have gone before us. Read those biographies. Find out what they went through. Find out what they did in their life. Find out what God was doing through them. That was one of the neat things about hearing from Eileen. Is just God is at work all around the world in ways that we don't even think about. And uh, he's changing lives everywhere. Take time to read biographies. There's uh, two people that have really impacted my life, uh, and they weren't people that you would normally even think of, but one was Corey Ten Boom. Has anybody heard of her? Those who are older, probably more so. They, uh, she was, uh, she, she lived, she was the first watchmaker in Holland, and a uh, first female watchmaker in Holland, and uh, she uh, had a home there, and her watch shop was at the bottom floor, and then they had two or three more levels above it. It was a very narrow house. Uh, she was there with her family, her father and sister and brother, and, and uh, when World War II happened and the Nazis came into Holland, they decided they were going to protect the Jews, and so they built a, a very shallow, uh, very tiny room behind a closet in the top bedroom, which was Corey's bedroom. And so that if the Nazis came into their house, they could run up the stairs and hide in this hiding. In fact, her first book was called The Hiding Place. Uh, eventually, they were found out. They were taken to a concentration camp, an Auschwitz concentration camp. Uh, she survived that and eventually got out and began to share her story of, of God's forgiveness and reconciliation and all of that to people all around the world. The Jews that were hiding in the hiding place did get out free. They were able to, they waited there for many hours and then eventually got out and were free. Corey Tenboom came and spoke at our Bible college one time and I didn't know who she was. I had no idea. I had never heard of her before. But she was one of the few people I had ever heard who made such an indelible uh, mark in my life. I can almost tell you what she spoke on and uh, how she delivered it. But uh, one of the things that she did say was that there's no pit. Uh, there's no, there's no deeper, there's no pit that is so deep that God's love is not deeply still. And uh, she just re continued to love people as she endured in Christian life. The second person, very quickly, was Jesse Miller. Now, probably most of you don't know who Jesse Miller was. Jesse Miller, he and his wife began the ministry that we now know as Cadence International. They were missionaries to the Philippines, uh, but during World War II, he was taken captive by the Japanese and was uh, was 
basically a prisoner of war for four years of World War II. Uh, he mined coal in, uh, in uh, Japan as a slave of the Japanese. Uh, he had seven different diseases, all of which should have killed him. And so as a result, when I knew him, he was a fairly short, very weak man, but he loved the word and he loved his Lord. And he, as he shared the gospel with people, people listened. We had him come and he spoke at the chapel at Ramstein Air Base. And uh, usually uh, the chapel was fairly full, uh, and that wasn't so different. But from the moment he started speaking, everybody focused on him. It wasn't his great voice. It wasn't his perfect eloquence. But it was his love for God that came about because he was a man who endured throughout his life. He loved the word of God, and as he shared the word of God, uh, people got excited. And so then I, I, at the end of the service, I mentioned, well, he's going to come speak in our Sunday school class. Sunday school class probably had about oh, 30 people who came regularly. Everybody from chapel, about 200 people, came into the class. Uh, and they didn't go home. So he spoke again for an hour. And then I said, well, he's going to be coming over to our, our house. So we, we were running a ministry center at the time. And so... Not everybody, thankfully, but a lot of people came from the chapel to hear him. Why? It wasn't his eloquence. It wasn't his, his, his voice. It was his love for God because he endured. Uh, great man. I think that's what the, the first step of endurance is. Get to know other people who have walked faithfully with God for year after year after year whether it's through biographies or hear their stories. Get to know people. Second thing is get to know the Word of God. Now, I'm sure everybody will, of course. But I think all too often we get so enamored with books about the Bible rather than the Bible itself. And I kind of wish as I look back in my life I would have done more of both of these steps. Uh, Get to know the Word get to know God's people. Those are the two steps that I think will help us endure. Someday, we may face some severe persecution. Corrie Ten Boom one time said that she was afraid that the church did not know how to suffer, did not know how to, to uh, live in the midst of suffering, did not know how to endure. Uh, I would encourage you, get to know Christians who have been through it. Timothy got to know Paul. He studied Paul. He knew what he had gone through. He had experienced some of it with him. Timothy also knew the word of God. And so he was a man who was able to endure and to endure boldly. Let's close in prayer. Father, as we have gathered together, we do pray that you would continue to stir our hearts. Uh, stir our hearts with understanding of what you are doing around the world. And uh, Lord, help us to be able to strip ourselves of, of the comforts that so easily be- trip us up and keep us from depending upon you. I pray, Father, that as we go through our life this week, as different things happen, hardships may come, I pray that you would help us to endure and to endure boldly 
because we're thinking about other people and we're reaching out to those who are around us. Keep us focused, Father, on who you are and what you have done. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you have been blessed. Please join us again at Common Ground Church.